0: This morning we have a special privilege. You may have noticed that in our, our preaching on God's vision for his people in 10 words, we've been bringing some different preachers to give some different perspective. And now we have the privilege of having a real preacher with some real experience <laughs> preach to us. So um, Pastor Rich Dobler, um, as, as you know, he, uh, he was here as a, as a college student and then went to be a pastor in Cloquet, assistant pastor there when I was a kid. And um, so it wasn't long ago because I'm you know not that old. Yeah, so, um, But then I uh, had a whole career of doing things. was back in Cloquet for 17 years. How long were you we there? Yeah, yeah,
1: almost 20.
0: Lead pastor, almost 20 years yeah. in Cloquet, which uh, is probably the biggest church in our Fellowship of Christian Assemblies, big impact in that community. And um, so Rich is a pastor who I have, as much respect or more than anybody in the fellowship as far as pastors. So it's great that he's been sneaking in to the back of our services and being a puppet in the in the back. And uh, Sharon was our, our uh, children's minister for a year. We've been very glad to have them. Uh, and so I, I've appreciated not only your—I uh, have a lot of respect for you as a minister, but I also have a lot of respect for your humility that you just uh, showed up and didn't have to say, hey, you know who I am? <laughs> Well, guys, you know who he is? He's, he's, he's pretty something pretty special. So you get to hear from him today and uh, hear the word from him. So God bless you. Thank you. As you bring the word.
1: Very kind remarks, Steve. Thank you for that. Um, well, we are uh, in the middle of a series or coming close to the end of a series on the Ten Commandments. And I'd like to just begin by taking the verse Um, how do I work this here? Turn it on and then hit this. There we go. So we're calling this uh, Give and Don't Take. And uh, the verse that we have right out of Exodus 20, verse 15, New Living Translation, you must not steal. Pretty simple, isn't it? Kind of basic. I mean, You know, what more can you say about that? You must not steal, right? Um, Okay, well, that's all we have for today. (laughs) Got that covered. (laughs) I'm, I'm thinking it's so clear and it's so basic. You know, don't take anything that doesn't belong to you. It belongs to somebody else. So basic and so simple. I mean, what more do we need to say? Maybe we could look at some other English versions of it and see what they say. Like King James says, Thou shalt not steal. That kind of lends some more authority to it. (laughs) Thou shalt not. Contemporary English version says, Do not steal. Uh, God's word translation says, Never steal. Message paraphrase says, No stealing voice translation says, you are not to take what is not yours. Amplified is always good to kind of expand things a little bit. What does it say? You shall not steal. (laughs) Oh, and then it puts the brackets there a little bit more. Secretly, openly, fraudulently, or through carelessness. But I mean, come on, all of those are pretty basic. I mean, how are you going to... Expand off the, and, and I know you're used to getting these in-depth teachings from Pastor Steve and all the other ministers around here. And sure, I'd like to preach for 50 minutes or more like Pastor Steve does. <laughs> you know, unpacking all the innuendos of the verse and the nuances of the Hebrew and the cultural context and everything else. But this is so basic, I mean, what are you gonna do with it? Um, I'm preparing this message and I think, man, I'll be lucky if I can get 25 minutes out of this. You know? But not to worry. Because I went on the internet to steal a few ideas so maybe I can get 30, maybe 40 minutes out of it. I, you know, we'll see. So to recap, over the last few weeks, we've been looking at the Ten Commandments the, the, that God gave, the ten words that God gave to establish a stable society. And uh, part of God's vision for his people, he wanted us to have a healthy Safe way to live, to be able to live together in relationship with one another, to be able to live together in relationship with Him. This was God's plan and His design, and the commandments uh, Pastor Steve has told us are like a constitution for a country. They kind of lay down the foundations of how we're supposed to live. And God wanted His people to be a nation of kings and priests you know, in the New Testament. Peter writes in his letter and says that we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. He wanted his people to model uh, a righteous and a just society so that all the nations around them could see what it would be like if they really could live the way God intended for them to live. And he he designed his people so that they could live together with God and with one another. He chose them to be kings so they would have all the privileges of the kingdom, all the benefits of living according to kingdom principles. And, And he said that they should be holy or set apart for his purpose. That was God's plan. But of course, being human, his people messed it all up. Just like we do. That's the way it is. We still fall short of God's ideal, both individually uh, and as a society. I remember my first brush with the law. Okay, so I'm going to be transparent here and tell you about my uh, past a little bit, not everything. But my first brush with the law came at a, at a very early age. I think I was three, <laughs> maybe four. I, I'm not, I don't recall. My, my parents had given me a, a car, a pedal car. That was it, looked exactly like that. It had a bell on the hood and it had pedals underneath so you could race that thing around the house. We lived on a farmhouse up by Cambridge, and so there wasn't any sidewalk out there, but, but I could drive that car through the living room, take a corner by the dining room, down the hallway, past the, the pantry, into the kitchen, and then a circle around again, all over, and just go around and around at breakneck speed, ringing that bell. It's great, loved it. Bring back fond memories. <laughs> Until one day when a pedestrian stepped out in front of me. It was my one-year-old brother. Yeah. And I don't know, he, he should have heard the bell ringing. But he wasn't exactly too agile uh, and couldn't move very quickly. So, you know, I'm, I'm screeching through the, the dining room there, and, uh, and he steps out. Well, not exactly in front of me, but close enough so that I only had to turn the wheel a little bit. <laughs> you know, the, it wasn't like an act of thought went through my head, like, let's run him over. But it was an impulse. It just kind of came naturally, and I, I just ran him over. And, and full speed. And, and he just laid flat. <laughs> fell like a rock crying like a baby. (laughs) Which I guess he was. And that's when the law stepped in. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever met my mother, but she was very creative in her approach to discipline. And for some reason, she had had the foresight when they gave me that fire chief car to also issue a driver's license for a three-year-old. And she took my driver's license and suspended it on the spot. One week, no car. Had to walk everywhere. (laughs) Even before I attended preschool, I had a record my first brush with the law. We've all broken God's law. There we go. Um, all of us. We, we don't follow God's ways. We don't live up to His constitution, His plan for us. We, we rationalize our behavior. We make excuses. We try to minimize sin or devalue sin. It's not that critical, we say, we think. And here we have the Ten Commandments. We have a blueprint uh, for decent, excuse me, it's distractions. We have this blueprint for decent society, a civil society, a respectful society, and then we don't see it happening. We, we see the, the society crumbling around us, and uh, culture has essentially rejected God's plan, God's blueprint for us. And that's why I don't have much faith that humans are ever going to be able to fix humanity's problems, do you? Uh, Humanity, human beings are flawed, they're broken, they fall short, selfish, sinful, and they certainly cannot establish God's kingdom on earth. Uh, No matter what kind of advances we might make in technology or in education or in science, we still have to contend with human nature, what's on the core of us, what was inside that little three-year-old heart that said, I'm gonna run my brother over. We all deal with that kind of thing. And um, I don't know if you noticed this. I don't know what this is doing now, but, Can you go to, okay. I must've hit something. Car, license, here we go. Did you notice this on the news a couple of weeks ago? Google's old motto, they've changed it since then, but it used to be, don't be evil. Pretty good motto, until they started bringing placards out to accuse the management of Google of being evil, for you know not dealing with sexual um, uh, assault claims that had come against them. And so, uh, to me, this is just an example of what happens in our society. People are supposed to be in charge. People are supposed to fix things. Pe- those are the ones who often are the problem. They don't fix the problem. They often are the problem. And so we, we have this cycle of, of things that, that comes around and, and all of us fall short of God's glory. Politicians fall short of their promises. Idealistic leaders fail to, to fulfill their own standards. Um, we're all broken and we're ruined and devastated by sin. This is the reality that we deal with in our society today. It's the whole condition of the world. It's people. And without the transforming grace of God that heals our hearts, and then moves us towards God's ideal, we can't solve our own problems, let alone society's problems. Impossible. We've got to acknowledge our own hopeless situation. That's what we're, we're left with. In fact, if you want to see human carnal nature on full display, I mean, all you have to do is visit a daycare center. <laughs> Little kids grabbing toys from each other. They're stealing These little thieves, they even rationalize why what they do is okay. Mine! It's one of the earliest words that we learn. Did you know that 8% of the kids, the infants, one of the first words they say, before Dada and Mama, is mine? I just made that up. (laughs) It's not true. I don't know what the statistic is. And since we're going to be talking next week about false testimony i better make that clear right now so okay but right from the beginning stealing sin is part of our nature and one of the first reflexes i do know this is true one of the first reflexes that an infant has you put something out there a finger or some object he'll wrap his little fingers around that thing and hang on to it am i right is that true you've seen that one of the first reflexes, and we grow up the rest of our lives having, fighting that same impulse to grasp and hang on. We want things. We want more things. We want better things. We want things that belong to other people. <laughs> and so that instinct is there all along. We have to deal with it. You see it every day in society. It happens all kinds of ways. And every time it happens, society is damaged in one way or another. You're standing in line at uh, a a grocery store or something and uh, somebody cuts in line ahead of you. What are they doing? They're stealing your place, right? And, And immediately you know that an injustice has been committed. Anger, hostility, frustration, impatience rises up. You want to do something because society is broken. If you're Donald Trump, you probably send a tweet. I don't know. But there's something going on. Um, you see it in in uh, uh, you, you take your car in for service. The mechanic says, "Oh, you need to replace your doohickey underneath the what you might call it." And you go, "Do I really trust this guy?" That happened to me this week. Uh, my mechanic said, um, "You know, this little washer popped out of your 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 um, <laughs> your doohickey." <laughs> Your crankshaft. And um, I put another one in, and it, it popped out again. He said, I think it's off like less than uh, seven one-hundredths of a millimeter, and uh, the, the, it, we can keep putting it in and keep trying it. But he said, I think what you need is a, a new engine. And, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, it's, it's uh, you know, I hate working on these PT cruisers, but I'll do it for you because you're a regular customer. And it's only going to cost you uh, $1,800 plus the engine. <laughs> so, okay. And I'm thinking, how well do I trust him? <laughs> because it happens all the time in society. that People get cheated. Um, it's, it's stealing. Your phone rings. This happened to me too. And amazingly, the IRS is wanting to talk to me. <laughs> They're on the other end of the line, and they're saying, ah, six months, but we never hear from you. It's been considered an intentional fraud, and lawsuit has been filed under your name by the United States government. You may call our department number, 805. By the way, if you get any numbers from 805, don't answer them. Amazon delivers a package on your front door. Before you can get it, somebody picks it up and runs off with it. These things, society, scams, deception, cheating, society is broken because people ignore God's way. And we become suspicious and mistrustful, and we lock our doors, and we buy home security systems, and video cameras, and motion detectors, and we build walls, and we avoid people that we don't know. Why? Because we hope somehow to protect ourselves from all of those people who don't live by the ten words. From robbers and thieves and con artists and pickpockets. I mean, think how different things would be if everybody lived according to the Eighth Commandment. And we'd save millions on all this massive expense to deter crime. The cost of law enforcement would be hugely reduced where prison population would be diminished considerably. We would would have more resources to do more good things. This is what we're dealing with. Last week, uh, Steve reminded us that sin has redefined... um, Society has redefined the word adultery with a more sanitized vocabulary. So we have phrases like having an affair... Having a fling, having a one night stand, cheating, little cheating. All of those are used for what is called sin, adultery, in the Bible. And by the way, if you didn't hear Steve's message last week, I'd suggest you go online and listen to it. Only make sure your young children aren't in the room when you do. (laughs) Just saying. (laughs) It's good. So now we come to stealing, and and you realize there are dozens of words in the English language that mean to steal. So, I mean, you can probably think of some, but I'll just help you out. I put this, uh, got this out of a thesaurus. It says embezzle, cook the books, fudge the numbers, loot, pilfer, plunder, commit larceny, ransack, strip, swipe, take, appropriate, misappropriate, blackmail, burglarize, cheat, defraud, heist, housebreak, lift, pillage, pinch, pirate, plagiarize, poach, purloin, rifle, sack, shoplift, snitch, swindle, thief, withdraw, carry off, hold up, rip up, stick up, libel, which means to steal someone's reputation, also slander and gossip, dupe, hoodwink, bilk, chisel, trick, bamboozle, jip, con, flimflam, and fraud. And that's a partial list. You didn't know there were so many ways to break the Eighth Commandment, did you? Did you know there's a difference between larceny and grand larceny? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, are there any attorneys in the house? Okay, good. I can say what I want to say. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so in Minnesota, I, I looked this up. I don't know if they call it grand larceny or just some sort of super-duper label on it, but $1,000 is kind of, if it's below 1000 then it's larceny. If you go down really low, it's petty larceny. But if you go up higher, it's grand larceny. I, does God make such distinctions? Wrong is wrong. Sin is sin, right? So it's not the size of the theft that's the problem. It's breaking God's way. So when I was five, um, again, this in full disclosure, I was wandering around the school playground one day when I noticed this kid underneath the, uh, the the chin-up bars playing in the sand. And he was pushing the coolest little car I'd ever seen. I mean, when you're five, your experience is kind of limited, but <laughs> it was a pretty cool car. It was all metal, even the wheels, uh, and and he was driving it through the sand, it kind of looked like one of those old gangster cars. And, uh, and he, he was driving it through the sand on these little roads, and you know he was backing it up and turning corners and parking it. And then, and then I guess he was parking it in the garage because he would cover it up with sand, and then he'd pull it out of the garage and he'd drive it some more. And all the time he's doing this, I'm just watching him. I got my eyes on that thing, and I could feel in my little five-year-old heart. Envy, greed, coveting. I could feel it all rising up. I didn't know what it was, but I knew I wanted that car. But I also knew it would be wrong just to take it from him. Besides, he was bigger than me. But I didn't want to steal. I knew it was wrong to steal. But I still had all these feelings like, why does he have something I wish I had? Why I, I want that car. And I watched his every move playing with that thing and he just buried the car again when suddenly the, the school bell rang calling all the kids in from recess and kids started running towards the school you know they're getting back to class and and, uh, and he 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 was panicked he dug into his, the sand to pull his car out and he missed it and now he's going frantic and he starts digging through the sand trying to find his car and, and he couldn't find it. Now I could have told him where it was because I had my eye glued on that spot where he had buried that car. I knew exactly. I could have told him. I could have pulled it out and shown it to him, but I didn't. I just stood there silently Observing. And after a while, he, he, the, the bell was kept ringing and all the kids were almost back in the school. And finally, in, in desperation, he, he just you know dejected, gave up, and went to the I think he thought he'd come back after uh, the next break and the next recess and find his car in the sand. But it pains me to say it. I I didn't run to the school. I stood there waiting while he took off. I was one cool five-year-old. I reached down into that sand where that car was, and before he had even gotten to the school, I had that car in my hand, and I pushed it into my pocket. Now, I felt a little twinge of guilt, but I... I suppressed that I could have run after him and said hey here's your car but I didn't and I'm rationalizing and we all rationalize what we do right especially when we're doing something wrong we rationalize it I be, even a five year old can rationalize and I, I was I began to rationalize you know what was uh, what was the situation here I, I, I didn't steal it I didn't do anything wrong didn't take it from him um, I found it he lost it I found it finders keepers losers weepers right and anyway it was his own fault if he wasn't so careless he'd never have lost that car I mean he was just being careless anyone that careless probably doesn't deserve to have that car Good at rationalizing. I rationalized that uh, I was a a smart, careful, observant kid. The other kid, not so much. (laughs) He was uh, careless. You'd have to be dumb to lose a car like that. Funny thing, uh, I lost that car. (laughs) Don't have it anymore. Lost it. But you know what I didn't lose? I didn't lose the sense of guilt that I had crossed a line, that I had done something that was not God's way. I knew deep down that I had mispleased God. And it wasn't until later, when, when I confessed that I was a sinner and I needed God's forgiveness, that, that I lost that guilt for what I had done. You see, it's not the size of the theft that's the problem. The problem is that stealing subverts God's way, the key elements of uh, God's vision for his people. And so I want to give you uh, just a few of those key elements that stealing comes against, things that stealing uh, undermines or sabotages in God's way. Stealing attacks these basic principles of the kingdom of God. And the first one is this. One of the the key elements of God's vision for us is that we should trust God for what we need. We don't take matters into our own hands. We trust God. People steal often when they want something that they don't have or when they they need more than they have. Um, Sometimes they feel like it's a necessity because there's no other way out. And so they're, they're driven to this way. Others do it for excitement. There are all kinds of motivations for it. But, but people steal often when they are afraid for the future. They're unsure of what's coming down the road. They worry about not having enough. But God wants us to trust him. Yeah. And if you're facing one of those situations where you don't know what's coming down the road or you're worried about life circumstances, this is a key thing to remember, that we trust God for what we need. Jesus said this, Matthew chapter 6, Don't worry about your life, what you eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. The temptation to steal comes when people worry so much that they can't trust God to provide them with what they need. There's a similar temptation that comes when people aren't content with what they have. I don't know about you, but my wife and I often will uh, have a discussion about what we need or what we want. And she says, we need uh, drapes for the window. And I say, no, you want drapes for the window. (laughs) The blind is perfectly good. You don't need that. You just want it. So, And I I had to laugh when we were visiting our grandson in uh, West Virginia a a few weeks, months ago, and uh, (laughs) they're driving in the car, and he said something about wanting something, um, and he said, or his, his mother said something, and he said, is that a need or a want? He's six years old. He's already getting it, there's a difference. Paul said this in Philippians, he said, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. And you go down to the end of the chapter, and it says uh, that he's convinced that God will meet all of your needs through his riches in Christ Jesus. We learn to trust God when we realize that he loves us and he cares for us. He's not going to abandon us. He's not going to leave us in the lurch. He's going to take care of us. We learn to trust him. And when we trust him, we can be content. We know that a loving, gracious God is in charge. Okay? So we trust God for what we need, Which leads us to the next one. Let God be your Lord. And Lord simply means the master, the one in charge. He's the boss, he's the owner. And in the kingdom of God, everything we have and all that we are belong to God. Stealing says the opposite. Stealing says, You don't own me, I'm in control. I'm taking charge, I'm calling the shots. And the Bible says, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. See, God wants us to be his people, not our own people. God wants us to recognize that he is the one in charge, he is the owner, he is the Lord. When we steal and we try to take control rather than surrender to God, we're not only stealing from others, but we're stealing something from God, His lordship. We're taking away the honor that is due Him. That's why in Proverbs it says, You know, Lord, I ask for a couple of things. Um, This is chapter 30, and He says, One of them was, "Don't, Don't make me too rich and don't make me too poor. Because if I'm rich, I'll probably, you know, get proud and profane your name. But if I'm too poor, then I'll, I'll be tempted to, to steal and profane your name. Interesting that there's temptations no matter where you are, because that's human nature. And he says, Lord, help me not to dishonor you by stealing. The the world tells us that we need to look out for number one. It's a dog-eat-dog world out there. It's a jungle. we got to look out for ourselves, whatever it takes. But God says if we follow Him, if we make Him Lord of our lives, if we go His way, it'll be good. That's why we have to acknowledge that He is the Lord. In fact, when you go to Leviticus 19, which is a chapter that kind of reiterates a lot of the the commandments that we're reading through in exodus chapter 20 but exodus chapter 19 repeats a lot of them in verse 11 it says uh new living translation do not steal do not deceive or cheat one another and then throughout this chapter 15 times the commands that are given there are are anchored to this simple declaration that god makes over and over and over again in this chapter I am the Lord. I am the Lord. It's a simple recognition that he is the one in charge of life. And we need to surrender to him. There's another principle that assaults the kingdom of God. And that is, um, uh, that stealing does, uh, that that, that stealing assaults. And that is that we are to honor God with honor. Honest labor. Stealing takes away from that. Stealing undermines that whole principle. That we can honor God by the way that we work. We can honor the Lord, give uh, respect to the Lord by how we do our work. So in Colossians chapter 3, Paul writes, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. So tomorrow morning on Monday when you get up and you go to work, you know, you see your boss there, your superintendent, your foreman. You're not working for him. If you're following God's ways, you're working for the Lord. You're honoring him with the way you live your life, with the way you do your work. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 4, it speaks specifically about those who are thieves. Anyone who has been stealing... Okay, this is for people who are now transformed by God's grace. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer but must work doing something useful with their hands that they may have something to share with those in need see hard work hard labor honest labor is a good thing but you know our culture often distorts that view country western song take this job and shove it so a lot of people feel about their work their job And culture celebrates those who get a shortcut to riches. Powerball winners, let's plaster them all over the evening news and talk about how their lives are different now. And we give free bus rides to the casinos, and on and on it goes. Popular culture, Hollywood and others, they've twisted things so much that often crooks and thieves are admired. How many of you have watched uh, any movie that's about a bank heist or some crook, and they're the hero in the movie, right? So here's uh, here's one of my favorites, uh, Nicolas Cage in uh, Matchstick Men. He was a con artist. It was his job was to bilk people out of their money. He he uh, he had this scam going where he would. You know, sell these faulty water filtration systems and, and, and people would buy it, because they wanted to have he was such a good salesman. And, and at one point in the movie I'm paraphrasing here because I't I it's been years since I watched it he says, "We don't take it from them. They give it to us."." And Colsey says, "Wow, he's really clever. He talked them into it rationalization again. Then there's this video game. This is another example of our culture. Yeah, I'm sorry. Grand Theft Auto. You know, be the coolest, meanest dude you can. You know, over and over again. We see these kinds of things that culture has and it says it's it's okay to take. If people are dumb enough to give you their money, go for it. And And if they're some even say, look, if your intentions are good, then that's, that's all the better. So Robin Hood stole from the rich to give to the poor, right? So was he a, a thief and a robber? Yes. Yeah, he was. It doesn't matter what his intentions were or what his excuse might be, the ends don't justify the means, but that's our culture. Um, And we we think somehow that that, uh, we can take these shortcuts. And whenever we do that, we're not honoring God with honest labor. So there's one more thing that I want to mention about how stealing undermines and assaults the kingdom of God, the principles there. And that is that we are supposed to share our blessings with others. So the question simply is, are you a giver or a taker? You don't have to be wealthy to be generous. In fact, often it's those who have less who have a more open heart. You know, they're not so, they don't grasp. Somehow God has worked within them. Jesus said it was the, the, the you remember the widow with just the two small copper coins. And she dropped everything she had into that collection box. And he said she gave more than all the others. Not in tangible intrinsic wealth, but because she gave all. And and so you don't have to be wealthy in order to to have an attitude of generosity. She was, by doing that, trusting somehow that God was going to take care of her. She could count on God to come through. And I think, here I'm kind of just speculating, but I think that if people were more generous and more giving, there could be less stealing. Because if God could use us, his people, to bless others, to show by the gifts that we give that that God cares for them, the trust factor would rise significantly in society. More people would begin to follow the Lord if they would see it lived out in our lives. I read a story uh, years ago about... um, Mayor LaGuardia, uh, who was mayor of New York City back in the 30s during the Depression years. And one uh, one cold winter night, Mayor LaGuardia went down to relieve one of the night judges who worked there in the courts. And one of the cases that came before him was a a grandmother who had been caught stealing bread. And she explained that she, she didn't really take that much and what she took was to help feed her grandchildren, and the shopkeeper was standing there. He refused to drop the charges, so the mayor declared, you've broken the law, you have to pay the penalty. $10 or 10 days in jail. Pretty strict. And the woman says she didn't have $10. And at that point, Mayor LaGuardia pulled out his wallet and took a $10 bill from his wallet and paid the fine for her. And then he said, I'm going to fine everyone in this courtroom 50 cents for living in a city where grandmother has to steal bread for her grandchildren. And they collected $47.50 that night in the court, which was a lot in the 30s. And LaGuardia gave it to the grandmother. I think there's a principle there that if we would share with those in need, that there would be fewer people in need who would resort to stealing. In the early church, Acts chapter 4, God's grace was so powerfully at work in them that that there were no needy persons among them. We read it a moment ago. It's not enough to stop stealing. It's not enough to work hard because God wants a people who know how to share and bless others. Ephesians 4.28 Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. It's not just that you stop sinning. God, God didn't just want us to Toe the mark and to avoid sin he, he designed this whole thing Because he wants us to do something good Something better Than just living the old way God, God's ten words are not merely Commandments against something negative They ultimately point to something that's higher Something positive It's, it's a better way of life It stands in contrast to the negative. So it's not just about avoiding adultery like we heard last week, but it's about being faithful. And it's not just about um, not murdering or taking life like we heard a couple weeks ago. It's about protecting life. And it's not just about um, not worshiping false gods. It's about serving the one true God. The list can go on and on. With stealing, it's not just that, that we stop stealing, it's that we, and we don't take things from others. It's that we learn to be content with what God gives. And it's about making Him Lord of our lives and trusting Him for what we need and working hard to make a living and sharing and blessing others. That principle is repeated in Proverbs whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and He will reward them for what they have done. Whoever oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker, but whoever is kind to the needy honors God. This is a condition that we all have to grapple with. Whether, whether we consider ourselves thieves or not, you know, whether we we're locked in that, we're all locked in this human condition, and that's why we need God's grace. We do our own thing, we go our own way, a number of years after I stole the car, <laughs> that sounds kind of weird, like I'm a car thief, you know? Grand theft auto. It was a small car. But years after that incident, I broke the Eighth Commandment again because I, uh, with my brother, who I ran over with a car, and, uh, and my cousin, we, uh, we tried to sneak into the county fair. We were stealing the price of admission because we rationalized, we don't have that much money and if we pay for the fare to get into it, we'll have nothing left to spend on the rides. Can't go to the carnival. So it only makes sense. We're gonna give them the money one way or the other. Let's, let's sneak in so we have money for the rides, right? It made sense to us. So we sauntered past the gate, on down the road to the far corner where we ducked behind the corner and and sneaked along on the back side of the fairgrounds until the coast was clear and then we slid under the barbed wire fence and then we started walking across the field we'd almost made it to the carnival rides when I see this police car driving through the field that I'm in I'm thinking he shouldn't be driving through this field (laughs) I lay down in the grass to kind of hide you know Didn't do any good. Cops rounded us up, crammed us all back into the backseat of the car. So then he drives towards the front gate, and he goes right down the midway of the fairground, the main drag, right past the evangelism booth that my (laughs) Assembly of God church had set up there at the fairgrounds where my Sunday school teacher, Rosie Hoyles, was standing there, gospel track in hand, trying to nab a few sinners, not realizing that one of her own sinners was riding by in the car, the police car, right in front of her. I slid down really low, (laughs) hoping Rosie wouldn't see me. And he took us back to the front gate and uh, dragged us out of the car. Well, helped us out of the car. And, and then proceeded to lecture us on the consequences of becoming felons. He <laughs> did. You won't be able to vote. Probably never join the army. Anyway, the list went on and on. And then they gave us an option. Either you pay for the admission of the fair, or else we're going to start a rap sheet on you. <laughs> What he didn't know is I already had a rap sheet (laughs) from my mother. Now, I tell you my story so that you'll think about your own story. Because we sin in so many ways, and there are so many ways that we can be thieves, taking something that belongs to someone else for ourselves. And so, I don't know what it might be with you. We gossip, and we steal someone's reputation. We cheat because we steal answers from someone's test. We cut corners on the job. We do shoddy work. Or we're loafing on the job. Or we're playing solitaire on the computer at work. And when we do that, we steal the boss's pay for work that we never did. We don't pay our workers a fair wage, or we delay paying our contractors. We hire them for a job, and then we keep pushing off payment. Leviticus 19 has something to say about that. We fudge numbers on our tax return. We rationalize, well, we're not lying. We're just not telling everything, and we want to be like Robin Hood, you know, take something from the sheriff of Nottingham's rich government and help out the poor peasants, me, the taxpayers. We withhold offerings and tithes, which the Bible says is robbing from God. We sell a car and don't tell what's wrong with it. One time I bought a a used car from a guy who told me to write a smaller number in the transfer of titles so that I wouldn't have to pay the higher sales tax. So he was urging me to save a few bucks by throwing away my integrity. So many ways that we break this commandment, that society breaks it. We're all in this together. We've come, we have to come to the place where we acknowledge our sin Our flaws, our brokenness, where we admit that our hearts are ruined by sin and deception, and where we have to realize that everything that's wrong with this world begins within us, in our own hearts. The law condemned me, but Jesus forgave me. And that's available for every person. We were condemned by the law, but were forgiven by Jesus. And when I saw that my sin was a hopeless condition, and I came to Jesus, I confessed my sins, I trusted in His work on the cross, I asked Him for forgiveness, invited Him to be the Lord of my life, the one in control. That's what made the difference. That changed me from what I was into what I am. I'm not perfect. But I'm at least moving in the right direction. I'm better than I used to be because of the grace of God. And my question to you today is simply this. Have you done that? Have you confessed your sin and trusted in Christ's work on the cross? Have you invited him to be the Lord of your lives? Do you need to do that? I'm going to pray in just a minute. I'm going to ask will the worship team come forward. Can we stand together? I just want to take what I just said and let you ponder that for a moment. Probably most of you in this room have at one time or another confessed your sins to God and ask for forgiveness that comes through Jesus Christ. If you haven't, this would be a great time to even come to the altar. You can do it wherever, but it would be a good thing if you could come and just bow before God and say, Lord, I need your help. I need to be different. I'm a sinner. I need your grace. But even if you've done that years ago, there's still me maybe ways that you still struggle with some of these things. And and I think that we can see how this one simple commandment, you must not steal, has permeated through our society and it's got to affect us. And so if you cut corners or do things unethically, and this has spoken to you today, even if you're a believer, even if you are saved by grace, it would be a good thing to surrender that to God. But maybe it, that does not where you're at today. Maybe, maybe you're in a position where you're just thinking, you know, um, I just need to recommit myself to the Lord. It might not be stealing at all. It might just be going your own way, not letting him be Lord. I don't know. But I'm going to leave it with you to consider what God would have you do. If, if you need to accept Him as your Savior, that's one thing. If you need to straighten out some of these issues we've been talking about, that's another. Or if it's just a recommitment of your life to the Lord. Whatever is your motivation, I want you to know that there's a place here where you can meet with God. And I invite you to do that. Let's bow our hearts and pray, shall we? God, I thank you for the words that we have been hearing over the last few weeks. Drawing us back to that place you want us to be. Reinforcing the ways of your kingdom in our lives. And Lord, just like you wanted Israel to be a nation of priests and kings and holy, chosen by you, we know, Lord, that you have us as your church in a society, a dark place that needs to see your light. And so we come to you today and we say, Lord, would you help us to be more and more your people what you've called us to be and Lord for each one here today who's struggled in some of these ways I pray God that your Holy Spirit would would penetrate through the shell that we erect and through all of the excuses and the rationalization and just help us to see what we really are and I pray Lord that your Holy Spirit would draw us close to you if if there are those here today who, who need to recommit themselves, then I pray, Lord, show them that area that is holding them back from your full plan for their lives. God, I pray that you would bless each one in this church as we seek to follow after you. We give ourselves to you this day. I'm going to have the worship team, just lead us in some worship and praise, and I'd invite you to come in just the next few minutes, you know, I didn't speak as long as Pastor Steve did, so there's a lot of time for you to come and just meet with God, and I invite you to do that for the Father who desires to be the Lord of our lives in the name of his son Jesus who by his work on the cross has brought us redemption and in the power of the Holy Spirit who desires us to be a holy people in Jesus name amen bless you